Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here. And it is Sunday, so we are doing breaches of the week. And this week in data breaches, absolutely nuts like it was the other week. But before we dive in, as always, I want to thank the following people that sent me a lot of this information. That would be Jacqueline Wolf, Jay Dance, Chris Fellon, and Sanders Slidner. And guys, thank you very much. And please keep sending those tips my way. Now, first things first, I need to actually issue a, uh, a correction here. So in my previous uh, breaches of the week, uh, daily video, podcast, all that kind of stuff uh, also went on on the radio, I mentioned that Discord was breached and I used their logo on the cover picture of my daily video and podcast uh, as I put that out uh, basically like this past Sunday. That was actually incorrect. It was discord.io and not discord, the communication server platform. Obviously, I always try to uh, strive to be as accurate as possible. And if I'm not, for whatever reason, I'm going to correct the record. That I promise you. I always try to be as accurate as I can. So heads up, discord.io, not discord, uh, basically got hit. But let's move on to this week because this week was no slouch. And there are plenty of names that you're going to know, not just discord. And we're going to start with Forever 21. That is the closest clothing giant and they just said a data breach earlier in the year affected more than half a million individuals. Now this breach notice was filed with Maine's Attorney General and it said that the fashion giant was hacked over a three month period beginning in early January of 2023. Uh, basically the attackers obtained files from their systems. Now according to the notice Forever 21 notified 539,207 people that their breach data included names, dates of birth, bank account numbers, and social security numbers as well as information regarding employees Forever 21 health plan including enrollment and premiums paid. Health uh, Forever 21 is a large global corporation and those 539,000 plus employees uh, are, are people that were hit apparently were employees from what I understand. Moving on, let's talk about Mom's Meals. Now this is a meal delivery service for people with chronic health conditions. I've never heard of them. They confirmed a data breach affected more than 1.2 million individuals, a lot bigger, and I, I still have no idea who they are. Now in a data breach filed with Maine's Attorney General, Mom's Meal Parent Company, Pure Foods, confirmed that the meal delivery service experienced a cyber attack between January 26th through February uh, 22nd of this year. The company said that the incident resulted in the, quote, encryption of certain files, end quote, <clears throat> and that tools commonly used to steal data were found on their network, which obviously suggests ransomware may have been the culprit. So heads up to you if you use Mom's Meals uh, in any which way, shape, or form. Moving on. We're going to give you a Move It update because, quite frankly, every single week, more companies are declaring this week is no different. And so Move It breaches this week are Eversource Energy, Pension Benefit Information LLC, Allegent Holdings, Chevron Federal Credit Union, as in Chevron, the massive gas company's uh, federal credit union, Sovos Compliance, and Sovos Compliance, by virtue of them getting hit, Penny Mac Loan Services had to declare as well. So those are your move it breaches for the week. It continues to just keep keep on going. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Moving on, let's talk about Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois. Because on August 14th of this year, uh, basically BCBS filed a notice with the Attorney General of Maine describing a third-party data breach that occurred at the HCSC Insurance Services Company. Now, in this notice... 
Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois explains that basically the incident resulted in an unauthorized party being able to get access consumer sensitive information, which includes names, addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, dates of birth, social security, claim numbers, bank account numbers, medical service information, and more. Upon completing its investigation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois began sending out data breach notification letters to all uh, those that were infected. So heads up to you if you use BCBS of Illinois for all your health care needs. Moving on. Let's talk about Paramount. Yes, the American entertainment giant Paramount Global said in a breach notification, uh, basically, and that was also a letter that was signed by Nickelodeon Animation Studios Executive Vice President Brian Keane. They sent that to affected individuals and basically said the attackers had access to their systems between May and June of 2023. Now, this is actually an update uh, where Nickelodeon said, oh, well, this is just old information. This is from like a month or two ago. This is old information. It's no big deal, et cetera, et cetera. That got clarified this this week. Quote, <clears throat> based on our investigation, the personal information may have included your name, date of birth, social security number, or other government issued identification number, such as driver's license numbers or passport numbers and information related to your relationship with Paramount, end quote. So heads up to you if you work for Paramount or its subsidiary Nickelodeon, it looks like uh, this is worse than they initially reported, which honestly happens quite a bit. And I think it's purely for optics and marketing. Moving on. We're going to go to our mini segment that basically is, if you just actually spent money on cybersecurity, you wouldn't be getting sued. And first up is hospitality staffing solutions, because a cyber attack basically against them allowed criminals to access the data of at least 104,660 employees and former employees, according to a lawsuit filed against the staffing firm and, and an online filing. Uh, the data allegedly includes names, address, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, and financial information as well. The lawsuit claims the company did not uh, maintain adequate security to protect its systems. It was filed on August 18th by plaintiff Joshua Cariola and seeks class action status. So heads up to you. If you're a current or former employee of Hospitality Staffing Solutions, you may be entitled to compensation. Moving on, let's talk about Advance America. They are facing at least three proposed class actions in the wake of their February 2023 data breach that went unreported for six months. We live in a litigious society, so there you go. Advance America, heads up. Moving on. TD Ameritrade and its parent company, Charles Schwab, one of the large financial institutions here in the United States, they apparently neglected cybersecurity protections that would have prevented cyber thieves from taking sensitive customer data, according to a lawsuit uh, filed this week in Nebraska federal court. Now, approximately 61,000 TD Ameritrade customers had social security numbers, financial account information, and other sensitive data exfiltrated by attackers, and that is according to the proposed class action filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of Nebraska. So heads up to you if you're a TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab member. Once again, you might just get paid. Moving on, let's talk about the University of Minnesota or Minnesota, as they say over there. It's a horrible accent. I do apologize to my Minnesotan friends and viewers and listeners. Now, a lawsuit uh, filed in federal court alleges that the University of Minnesota failed to, quote, establish appropriate security safeguards, end quote, for sensitive personal data in university records. Now, the U began investigating potentially uh, this potential massive data breach in late July after a tech journal known as the Cyber Express reported claims that an attacker had potentially gained access to more than 7 million social security numbers. A lawsuit filed this past Friday in the U.S. District of Minnesota on behalf of a former student and a former employee of the university seeks 
class action status. If the court approves, others could join the suit. That's what a class action's all about. Now, the lawsuit uh, claims the university violated the Minnesota Government Data Practices Act, which prohibits releasing personally identifiable information without consent. That's literally what happens in a data breach, so that's an interesting one. But heads up to you, if you went to the University of Minnesota... We're going to see where that goes. And that ends the mini segment for this week. And honestly, if they had just spent more on cybersecurity, training, all that fun stuff, they probably wouldn't be getting sued and spending a lot more. Moving on. Let's talk about a company called Clear Result, one word, on August 23rd. They filed a notice of data breach with the attorney of Massachusetts after discovering that confidential consumer data had been entrusted to the company was subject to unauthorized access. Now, in their notice, Clear Result explained that the incident resulted in an unauthorized party being able to gain access to sensitive information, which included names, social security numbers, and financial account information. Upon completing their investigation, Clear Result sent out data breach notification letters to those affected. So heads up, all you clear result employees and customers, whatever they do. Moving on. Let's talk about Cognizant slash TMG. On September 1st, they filed a notice of data breach with Texas after discovering that an unauthorized party accessed sensitive uh, com- consumer data on their inf- within their infrastructure. Now, during this notice, Cognizant slash TMG uh, explains that the incident resulted in an unauthorized party being able to gain access to information like names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, dates of birth, social security numbers, claim numbers, bank account numbers, medical service information, and more. Upon completing their investigation, they sent out notification letters as well. Moving on, let's head on up to Canada and talk about Hamilton Health Sciences, or HHS, in Hamilton, Canada. They fired eight employees who quote-unquote snooped through the personal health information of some 4,000 people over a 12-month span, and that's the ho- the biggest data breach that the, uh, hospital, the Hamilton Hospital Network has ever seen. Now, HHS shared information of this breach on its website, apologizing to anybody affected and condemning the actions of eight former staff members. This, for the record, is why you train. Now, while Canada doesn't have HIPAA compliance like we have here in the United States, they have their own medical record uh, compliance standards for privacy. Obviously, those are violated, and so I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing Canadian lawsuits flying over, over this one as well. Moving on. Let's talk about Gaston College. On August 25th, they filed a notice with Maine after discovering an unauthorized party was able to gain access to their infrastructure. And in this notice, they mentioned that the attackers were able to look at names, social security numbers, and more upon completing their investigation. They've sent out notices as well. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about Logic Monitor. This is a cloud-based infrastructure monitoring platform. If you're a fellow nerd like me, you probably know who they are. Now, they just suffered a data breach with the finger of blame being pointed at the company itself. Now, speaking to TechCrunch, one of the victims under basically a note of anonymity (coughs) noted that their organization was breached because the passwords assigned to them during their initial setup were weak and they've never been changed. Quote, when you set up an account with Logic Monitor, they define a default password and all user accounts for your organization slash account are made with that password. They also don't require the changes, nor were, they, nor were they temporary passwords until this week. Now the setup password lasts 30 days and must be changed on first login. In other words, they set you up with a weak password. Everybody just used the password, didn't require you to change anything, and here we are. So obviously as a, a provider uh, you know, of infrastructure in that manner, that's never a good thing. Hopefully they've learned their lessons, but heads up to you, logic monitor people, go change your passwords ASAP. Moving on. Let's talk about Trading Paints. Now, this apparently is a platform used to create and view customized liveries within 
iRacing. I'm assuming that's a game or a website. Over 270,000 usernames and passwords just got leaked, and it's since been acknowledged on the iRacing forums by senior DevOps engineer Nicholas Bailey. That's all I know right now, but heads up to you. If you use Trading Paints or iRacing, you might want to go change your password. Moving on, let's talk about the University of Michigan. And this is actually an interesting one because this is from their actual announcements page on their website from August 28th, Sunday afternoon after careful evaluation of a significant security concern, we made the intentional decision to sever our ties with the internet. We took this action to provide our information technology teams the space required to address the issue in the safest possible manner. In other words, the University of Michigan, the massive University of Michigan, multi-campus University of Michigan, shut their whole shebangabang worth of an internet down and basically put the entire university in the dark. And so for basically two days straight, until August 30th, their IT and cybersecurity teams were excising infections and able to bring them back online and also uh, bring back all campuses online as they had multiple intermittent outages for like 42 to or 48 to 72 hours. Obviously, that's a huge thing. Hopefully, they're back online. Good luck, Wolverines, with that one. Moving on, let's talk about Top Golf Callaway, just known as Callaway. They suffered a data breach at the start of August, which exposed the sensitive and personal account data of more than 1 million of their customers. In a letter sent to impacted individuals on August 29th, the company explained that an IT system incident that occurred on August 1st had affected the availability of its e-commerce services and exposed certain number, certain customer information to an unauthorized entity. The company says that it detected the incident early on and took immediate action to contain it. The compromised customer data for 1 million customers includes full name, shipping address, email address, phone numbers, order history, account passwords and answers to security questions. So if you're a Callaway or Top Golf uh, user and obviously buying, I'm assuming, golf stuff, go change your password, but also change the answers to your security questions as well. When I fill out these things for a bank or whatever it is, I make up the answers and then I record the answers in an encrypted manner. So, so if somebody asks me who my third grade teacher is and I have 10 sites asking me that, I have 10 different third grade teachers, none of which are my actual third grade teacher, because why give them that information if I know what my fake third grade teacher is for, let's say, Callaway.com or whatever their website is, then that's totally fine. If it gets compromised, great. I can just switch it up and it doesn't compromise me anywhere else. So <laughs> pro tip for all you people listening out there. Moving on. This is one that we're actually watching, and this is interesting because I'm not sure which way this is going to go, but we're talking about Toyota. Yes, the massive car manufacturer because all 28 vehicle assembly lines at Toyota's 14 auto plants across the entire country of Japan shut down this past Tuesday over a problem in its computer system that deals with incoming auto parts. Now, the automaker does not believe that this was caused by a cyber attack, but the cause is still under investigation, according to their spokeswoman, uh, Sawako uh, Takeda. Now, that said... It wouldn't be the first time that a company said, eh, we don't think it, this is it, but we're not sure. And yeah, it's absolutely that. I don't know. Now, Toyota later said their production would restart on Wednesday. Toyota declined to say what models uh, being produced might be affected. Are they Toyotas? Are they Lexus? You know, they've got a lot of different brands. But obviously, if you are shutting down absolutely everything, it could very well be a glitch. It could be a cyber attack. Toyota has, for the record, had some data leaks and breaches in the last year that I've reported on. So obviously, that's a huge thing. So we'll see what happens. But right now, Toyota, I believe, is back online. And let's see if they declare a breach or not. Moving on. 
We're going to do another mini segment. I haven't done this one in a while, and that is Exploit of the Week. And the reason why we're doing this one is because the company that basically has a new exploit <coughs> is actually a major cybersecurity outfit uh, that provides things like cloud access security brokers, um, you know, uh, proxy servers, all this kind of stuff. And that is Zscaler. Uh, Zscaler, one of the major players in the cybersecurity industry. And apparently, inappropriate file type control in Zscaler proxy version 3.6.1.25. And earlier versions allows an attacker to basically bypass restrictions to upload and download whatever they want. That obviously is a huge thing. If I break into your system, it's being protected by Zscaler, but I'm able to move around the Zscaler proxy and I can start downloading whatever I want. I could potentially download infections into a corporate network. So obviously that's a huge thing. If you're on Zscaler and you're using their proxy service for all your computers, make sure you're keeping it up to date. And so there you go. I'm not getting too nerdy because my audience obviously is a mix of nerds and just regular folk that want to learn about breaches. But finally, and we've got a couple finalies for you, we're going to start with ChatGPT. This is interesting because questions about ChatGPT's maker, OpenAI's ability to comply with European privacy rules are in the frame again after a detailed complaint was filed with the Polish Data Protection Authority about two days ago. Now, this complaint alleges that the U.S.-based AI giant is in breach of the GDPR or General Data Protection Regulations basically across a whole bunch of different dimensions, lawful basis, transparency, fairness, data access rights, and privacy by design are all areas that this basically uh, in, in, in Polish uh, court is being argued that AI is infringing on. Now, the complaint frames the novel generative AI technology and its maker's approach to developing and operating essentially what became a viral tool as essentially systematic a systematic breach of essentially the European Union's GDPR, which wouldn't just affect Poland, it would affect all EU members from Germany to Italy and everybody except the UK, they, they left. But that's what we're talking about. Another suggestion, therefore, is that OpenAI has overlooked another requirement in the GDPR to undertake prior consultation with regulators. That's required under Article 36. Since if it conducted a proactive assessment, which identified high risk to people's rights unless mitigating measures were applied to it, it basically they should have paused to think this through before they deployed in Europe. And obviously they kind of rushed to market and they were the first to market and the biggest to market because AI apparently rolled out ahead and launched ChatGPT in Europe without engaging in local regulators, which would have ensured it avoided uh, basically uh, violating GDPR. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up as a finally is Technically, this is data breaches under European Union law uh, because OpenAI is not handling uh, consumer data and privacy in the way that they should be. But it opens up a bigger question as we have more privacy laws coming online and as these generative AIs are, one, learning and reading from intellectual property that they haven't been purchasing, those, that's lawsuits that like Sarah Silverman and others are, are filing against this. And on top of it, you've got the privacy side of it that anything you give it uh, you know, basically can be read and they, they're not giving you a full understanding of your rights. This could potentially hinder artificial intelligence. And my real question is, okay, that's well and good. And, and I'm hoping that OpenAI can bring that under control. But do you think the generative AI and the competing generative AIs in adversarial nations really care about any of that? They don't. And they keep running and they keep growing. And so that's something that we have to consider. So just take that as food for thought. I do hope, though, as a privacy advocate, that OpenAI and ChatGPT really clean that up. And the other finally we've got for you tonight is interesting because it is Japan's National Center 
of Incident Readiness and Strategy for Cybersecurity, known as the NISC. That's right. This is Japan's cybersecurity wing of their government. And as the Financial Times reported, the Chinese military are suspected of being behind a security breach that saw basically intelligence-based hackers infiltrate Japan's NISC for as long as nine months. That's right. The Chinese government apparently and allegedly broke into Japan's cybersecurity outfit and basically were there surveilling them for nine months. Now, at the start of this month, on August 4th, 2023, Japan's NISC went public about a security... Well, actually, it was last month. We're in September now. Japan's NISC went public about a security breach that had resulted in email conversations being exposed to unauthorized parties. Now, this hack is thought to have commenced on October uh, October of 2022, but the first traces of the problem were not spotted until June of this year. On August 8th of this year, in a, in a brief follow-up announcement, the organization warned of, quote, suspicious phone calls and emails, end quote, from people posing as employees of Japan's NISC, presumably in an attempt to trick unsuspecting victims into sharing personal details or credentials or possibly opening a malicious content like phishing sites, all those kinds of things. Now, although uh, the Japanese authorities have not publicly pointed the finger at China's People Liberation Army for this, the Financial Times said that three uh, Japanese government and private sector sources familiar with the situation have made this link. Japan has said it's boosting its cybersecurity budget by 1,000% in the next five years and quadrupling its military cybersecurity force to 4,000 people. And quite frankly, we need all the help we can get. So Japan ramping that up is obviously a good thing. But when you have basically the, the Japanese equivalent of the Cybersecurity Information Security Agency, CISA, here in the United States, getting broken into by Chinese intelligence, allegedly that's what it looks like <clears throat> and then being surveilled for nine-ish months that's not a good look that's not a good thing at all so we're going to see where there th that goes but obviously this was just a huge huge uh week for for data breaches some some big names hopefully you weren't affected but i'm guessing you were and so those were your breaches of the week and please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please, just please, attempt to stay private. Thanks, everybody.